0: I'm Debbie Georgiades. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about no COVID cure allowed. Dr. Richard Bartlett joins me again today, along with recovered COVID patient, Francisco Bejarano and Jerry Lyon. And the New York Times resignation resounds. And finally, the Goya boycott that backfired. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiades. This is our week to talk about COVID. And I wanna set the stage for today's show in the First Five by talking with you a little bit about what seems to be the mental atmosphere around COVID in our country, the feeling of fear, the culture of fear. And I will get into that in a moment, but first I wanna ask Matt, the extremely wonderful producer, if he could put up, this is a uh, a, um, slide that is, Telling you you can it's a very it's a great visual about the death rate that is declining as we watch as you move through the time dealing with COVID. So you can see in the far left of that chart you're looking at, that is May, early May, it ends at the mid-July where we are today. And you that is the death rate, the number of deaths per confirmed COVID-19 cases decreasing steadily, total deaths per total confirmed cases. So the death rate is declining. You wouldn't know this by the headlines you read. Uh, But because this information is not exciting, it's not tantalizing, it's not alarming, which is what the media seems to be always driving for. There's another set of data I want to ask you to look at very briefly, this first five, and this is information put out about the great state of Texas, which is where this show is done in Texas, and this is that data taken from the Texas's own Health and Human Services Department as they record for you, show you how we're doing in Texas dealing with COVID virus as compared with the flu season in the last two years. So here you go, Matt the Is this chart also. So this is a chart again, Texas Health and Human Services. We have nearly 30 million people in the great state of Texas. On the left hand, essentially left hand side, you're looking at the flu versus COVID-19 cases. You're seeing seasonal 2018, seasonal 2019 of the flu, and the far right column is COVID-19. I want you to take a look at the difference in the death rates. 2018, this is Texas's own data, 2018, um, 2017 to 2018, that year, the number of deaths, uh, sadly, I mean, every death is horrible, but the deaths due to the flu, uh, nearly 12,000, 2019, over 10,000, and the flu season, COVID-19, 3,112. The bottom half of this chart is telling you rates, percentages, and again, look how high the recovery rate is in all of these instances the flu 2018, the flu 2019, and COVID, you have over 99% recovery rate. And then look at the bottom row, the death numbers for all of this. And again, I don't mean to make light of any death. I'm very sorry for any loss of life due to disease or any other cause for that matter. But if you look at the bottom of this chart, death rates of 2018, the flu, 0.04, 2019, 0.03, COVID-19, where we are today through July, which is where we are right now, 0.01. Point being, if it's not obvious to me as numbers, that the flu has been far more deadly in Texas in terms of both absolute numbers and in terms of percentages. So flu has caused more deaths in Texas. We have never in Texas engaged in the kind of conduct we're engaging at this time concerning things like requiring masks, requiring social distancing, shutting down the state, having a banning on a non-essential travel, shutting down non-essential businesses, non essential, by the way, only to the government, not to the people who need those businesses in order to put food in their family's table. This has been an overreaction to a, 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 I mean, no one is making light of coronavirus 19. I'm sorry it's here, I want us to get to the bottom of what happened in China. We've had experts on our show talking about China and what's going to be required to understand what really happened there. But in terms of, of a public health reaction to a threat, the numbers do not justify the conduct we've been watching happen in Texas. And I want to set the table about that, just to keep in mind the, the kind of background, where, where we are on this. And because what we're gonna to do today is a little unusual for this show. Um, I pretty much uh, enjoy having medical experts and foreign policy experts and all sorts of, you know, people engaged in policy making. But I want today to do something a little bit different in my show, and that is I wanna have us, us all sit and talk with, listen to individuals in Texas who have actually dealt with coronavirus, actually dealt with COVID-19, and the manner in which these people have been treated as they go to hospitals and maybe are not able to get access to the kind of care they, they know that they want. If you watched our show yesterday, you saw we had Dr. Richard Bartles join us again yesterday. He'd been on the show two weeks earlier on Thursday, July 2nd, joined us yesterday along with Congressman Abraham to talk about the just fabulous efficacy of the use of a treatment for COVID 19 that is essentially a steroid, budesonide, used with a nebulizer. And both doctors in the studio yesterday, Dr. Bartlett and Dr. Abraham, talked about their actual success on the ground using these treatments to help people with COVID 19. Talk a little bit about the resistance, the seeming resistance in the medical world, uh, and especially in the US government, to allowing these kinds of treatments that have been effective to be more widely known about, widely discussed, and perhaps more widely spread. So I wanted to do something different today, wrapping up the uh, First Five for today. I wanted to bring some people in studio so you could meet them, as I'm going to really meet them today too, meet them and talk with them about their experience with COVID-19 in the great state of Texas. And that, my very fine friends, is today, First Five. So I told you before the show started, I want to turn and have some guests in the studio. We have Dr. Bartlett here again today. Um, and we, he is joined by two different people who will be talking with you very directly about their family's experience, their personal health experience with COVID-19 in Texas. And I don't really know other stories. So I'm going to turn to Dr. Bartlett and allow him to introduce them and tell you all about them. So first, welcome to the show, Dr. Bartlett.
2: Thank you, Debbie. Uh, it's my pleasure to have a friend and colleague Jerry Lyon, a nurse practitioner here in Texas, um, here with us to tell his story. Um, he, I, we've worked together side by side for patients for years. He has excellent uh, skills and judgment. And uh, he moved to uh, Fort Worth, and mm-hmm. uh, his wife became ill with COVID, and she's in the Baylor uh, Hospital now with COVID. And so uh, we, he uh, reached out to me to ask about uh, inhaled budesonide, and we talked about it colleague to colleague. And uh, apparently, um, you, you, uh, we were thrilled this morning with a good report from you, and then Mm -hmm. and then things have turned. Can you explain what's happened?
3: Well, well, first of all, she's also fighting uh, squamous cell carcinoma, stage four. Yes, sir. And uh, she's had three strokes back to back, and uh, uh, then she got COVID pneumonia, and. you know, I had talked to you about the budesonide because I, I'd heard your, your, your presentation before. And, and I have so much faith in everything that you've studied and researched. And so I got her to ask her nurse to ask her doctor if, if um, they would give her the budesonide. And it was my understanding she got two treatments. And before that, she could just barely whisper uh, she had 30% oxygen output. She's on high flow oxygen. Uh, she's practically dead. And, Were they considering intubating her? Uh, Did they mention that to you? No, they didn't. Okay. I, and and I was, you know, if she needed it, yes, but I'm glad they didn't have to. Yes. So all of a sudden, she got better she could she could actually talk and i could i could understand what she was saying and then the the very next day she was back to a whisper she said they stopped the treatments and i i did talk to her doctor and uh, she said that she didn't know what happened that the, the the treatments got stopped but she put the order back in to start the treatments. And then she called me back and said, <clears throat> we can't do that because the, uh, uh, they, they said that uh, nebulized treatment releases the virus into the air. And I said, well, if it gets it out of the body, doesn't that cure the person? Well, no, it makes everybody else sick. I said ma'am you're not making any sense and so they decided they would give her an a a puffer i said it's not going to work it's not going to work and so that's where we are now
2: jerry i'm going to give you a copy of my paper because there's 51 articles that we cite uh references that show that this has already been addressed that in nebulized uh, budesonide does not increase the risk. Nebulized medicines do not increase the risk of spreading the disease. That's already been studied. It's already been proven. And it's also been proven that using an inhaler uh, it does not deliver 90% of the medicine. Only 10% of the medicine gets where you need it. So right. what you're saying may, is correct. Your understanding is correct. So I'll give right. you that paper and you'll be armed with that to um, <laughs> help people understand what to do for your wife who is still fighting for her life with COVID.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and. Uh, we're pulling
3: for her. Well, she'll get better. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I want to make sure that uh, her doctor l- listens and reads your paper.
2: But she did improve for a while at Baylor oh, yeah, with the re- so nebulized excited. budesonide. <laughs> I was so thrilled this morning with that report. So it is not over, sir.
3: No.
0: I do want to jump into one question because I mentioned um, before we came on today about that one question that is one. Question People had raised with respect to your prescri- prescription about the nebulizer uh, using BDS and I via uh, the nebulizer was that somehow is dispersed in the air. And th- there's a word, aerial, something but aerosolized is yes. the
2: term. And, and so that's the concern, but it wasn't real. It actually was studied by other people and already proved to not be an issue. Actually, it's been disproved. It's kind of like um, COVID causes an overreaction of the body. Uh, The overreaction of the immune system, and that's the killer. What we're seeing in the state of Texas is kind of an overreaction to COVID, uh, as you pointed out in in the first five minutes, that uh, we're doing things that we've never done before for the flu, which has killed three times as many people in a year, uh, historically, and we've never said wear masks and stay six feet apart from each other and and, uh, other things. And so it's kind of an overreaction. And so this concern, I mean, you can say there's a fear of this and a fear of that, but when it's unfounded, when it's disproved, you have to go with science and evidence-based medicine. There is still a place for science in medicine.
0: Let's hope a big place for science in medicine, (laughs) yes. Big place for science it is. So I I really, I had meant to ask you that uh, yesterday and want to clarify that because I think it is one of the things when people are finding reasons this couldn't be true. That was one of them. And so I'm glad to know it's been addressed and it's not true.
2: And you have a copy of my paper that you can send to the 3 million plus viewers that are asking you for You
0: can it. get it on our website, go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org <laughs> on the homepage. Under blogs, there's the paper. Yes, I've been sending it out to people who've been asking, but it's much easier if you locate it on our website. And we have been sending out to, I can't tell you, literally, countries all over the world. I was thinking, I wish i started to make a list, but doctors in the Netherlands, in New Zealand, all over the world saying, I really want to see that paper. So it is just, it's changing the way medical thought thinks about COVID.
2: It's reversing it back to normal common sense thinking of early treatment. We do that with heart disease, stroke, cancer, Every other kind of infection, early intervention saves lives, and millions of Americans are alive today because of that strategy. Yep. But we haven't used that strategy with one disease, COVID, and uh, it's it's a the strategy right now of late care is failing.
0: Absolutely, Jerry Lyon. Thank you for coming on, and sharing your story today, and and just prayers for your wife's complete Absolutely. healing and. Thank you. And thank and, you. Th- and thank you for sharing your story. It's yes, very sir. tender. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: While we're switching out guests, I'm gonna tell you we're gonna switch out guests here. Uh, So glad Jerry Lyon could join us and we're gonna have joining us next a gentleman named Francisco Bejarano. And he is here from I think the Midland area and um, don't know much about his story except he's also experienced, has gone through COVID-19. I do know that um, I received a video and I actually never asked Matt the Wonderful. I sent the video to Matt. Are we able to play that little video? Okay, so I will play this, a very short video, just to get a contrast for how this healthy patient sitting here today looks and sounds compared with how he felt just a few short weeks ago.
1: 11 days straight, I can't breathe. I feel like there's something really heavy on top of my chest. Uh, I don't feel confident going to the to the er i feel like if i go to the er i'm going to catch a some kind of a bigger strand or or some type of other COVID that that that's that's really going to do me in i'm very afraid to go to the er
0: that my friends is francisco and i'm glad we could play that video of him and actually one other thing i'll say an introductory point to our interview is that There are, because of the shutdown provisions in Texas, including telling people that they could not go to the hospital unless they had an extreme emergency. We've had cases, we've had doctors talking about in the show, of cases where people were a little bit afraid to go to the ER, afraid of catching COVID, and stayed home longer than they should have, experiencing very serious symptoms of heart attacks, but we got so frozen in place, or we're dealing with COVID-19 that we actually lost people due to problems that may have been prevented or solved at the emergency rooms. Thank you for coming all the way into our studio today. Welcome. Thank
1: you, thank you for having me.
0: And I just want to have, Dr. Bartlett, this is your patient. I'm gonna let you tell how you tell your story because I don't know all that so, happened.
2: So Francisco, uh, his friends, we call him JB, uh, reached out to me uh, for the first time over the phone because a, f- a mutual friend said, would you please help my friend? And so uh, he had tracked me down through a friend and sent me that, te- that video and texted me desperate for help. He had been sick for a oh, year. he days. sent that
0: video to you. Okay, yeah. okay.
2: And uh, so uh, he, uh, Francisco had been treated with several other medicines. We, we know that there is no FDA approved medication yet for COVID. That being said, um, what is being done right now is leaving a trail of death, a trail of tears and uh, heartache uh, without treatment. And so uh, there are good doctors, thousands across Texas, that are stepping up and treating their patients with things that are tried and true, evidence-based medicine. Um, but when he reached out to me, <clears throat> he said, my lips are purple, I'm short of breath, I can't breathe, I feel like an elephant on my chest, Could, would you please help me? And, um, and so uh, we started the journey together and I'm gonna let, uh, Francisco, I'm going to let you tell, uh, take it from the start uh, so people understand what COVID is and your experience.
1: Well, um, uh, Dr. Barlett, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for helping me and my family. Uh, my wife uh, was sick on a Thursday and she went to go get tested uh, with uh, a local physician there in, in the uh, Odessa, Millen, Odessa area. Over the weekend, I started to develop symptoms as far as coughing, a little bit of fever, you know, the typical COVID symptoms, whatnot. And uh, Monday, uh, she got her results back. And after she got her results back and she tested positive, I went to the doctor because I was feeling sick. So after going to the doctor initially, um, he gave me a prescription, he gave me, uh, you, saw, you said azithromycin, a uh, pack. Yes, gave me a Z-Pak, uh, some cough medicine, and um, that was basically it. Told me to go home, uh, tough it out, do some quarantine, and, and just basically just stay at home. So I took the prescription, as the doctor said, and uh, as needed. Uh, five days went by. Um, I didn't feel any better. Um, just, I didn't, wasn't feeling like, like I was breathing. So I went back to my doctor, and I asked him, uh, "Is there anything else that I can that I can take?" And he basically gave me an inhaler, and now gave albuterol. Albuterol, inhaler. correct. And he gave me uh, another prescription, which was uh, doxycycline. Yes. And took that for another five days, and that didn't work either. So I started to kind of panic and. Uh, unfortunately, um, I had a friend of mine that, uh, his brother passed, uh, Patrick Rodriguez and, uh, my buddy Jamie called me and he said, Hey, you know, uh, my brother passed, take care of yourself, uh, do something, uh, that night I panicked. I couldn't sleep my wife was worried about me. I had uh, that my son went out and and bought me a little oxygen meter a
2: pulse oximeter.
1: Yes, sir. And my oxygen was from 86 to 89 as far as oxygen wise and I wasn't getting very much uh, much oxygen. So um, that night, um, uh, like I said, I couldn't sleep. I actually was laying in bed, no joke. Uh, here I am, a little West Texas contractor. I, know I own a little roofing commercial company uh, in West Texas. And I'm sitting there writing my, my will, telling my wife uh, who I have my insurance with if, if something was to happen. Telling my wife uh, what my equipment is worth, you know, in, in, in case I, I, I did pass. I wanted her to have all this information. Well, unfortunately, with the passing of my friend's brother, I got up, did a Facebook plea. Does anybody know Dr. Richard Bartlett? And I had a friend of mine, uh, Shannon Gaylor, he goes, yeah, I know him. He goes, let me call him. It's like ordering a pizza, I guess. And uh, uh, two minutes later, Dr. Bartlett calls me and he goes, hey, JB, uh, what's going on? Doc can't breathe. Uh, I feel like there's an elephant on my chest. He wrote me a prescription uh within two hours i started doing the budesonide treatment with the nebulizer at home at home at home with my family uh my wife of course was was uh had the virus my two other kids had the virus uh and i'm at home with the nebulizer taking double the dosage and that night after doing probably five treatments within every two hours that night Uh, He was texted. Dr. Bartlett was texting me. He was checking up on me. Hey, how are you? How are you feeling? I kid you not, that night was the first great rest that I had in a long time because I knew that that I was turning around symptom wise. I knew that I was going to get better. I knew that I didn't have to worry about my family. I knew that I was going to pull through and and that I was actually going to make it the the, the first sense of release of uh, relief without having the anxiety. If I was going to wake up at night, I mean, if I was going to wake up the next day, afraid to go to sleep because I was afraid that I was going to pass. The second day, I just felt better, Uh, of course, taking uh, the medication. I felt better the third day. I felt great. And I just started to, you know, to to improve. Finally, by the seventh day, I, I did one treatment in the morning, and I did one treatment at night. On my eighth day, I felt absolutely great; I felt fabulous. The ninth day, I felt great. On the tenth day, uh, I made an appointment to get tested, just to see if I was really over it. And and, and like, thank too God! Too good to be
0: true. Yeah. Too good
1: to be true. Well, guess what? I went. I got. I I I, I did a test, and it came out. I came out negative. And I was so blessed uh, to you know to, to get over COVID. But you know, I'll tell you another thing too is that I'm also blessed that it happened to me because I'm happy that it did happen to me because now I'm able to do better, healthier choices uh, to eat better, to diet better, to enjoy more time with my family and not take some of the things that I used to take for granted. Uh, so I kind of have a different outlook in life, you know so I I am, I'm not happy that it happened to me, but you know, I'm glad that it happened to me. And through all this and the great network of people that I've gotten to meet, I've been able to help other people like, hey, JB, what did you take? You know, know, what did Dr. Bartley give you? Well, you know what? Here's a screenshot of everything that I take, here you go. I hope that your doctor gives it to you.
2: I wanna thank JB for on his own dime being willing to drive six hours here uh, and take uh, take time away from his business that he's running as a small business owner to get the word out that there is hope and that there is uh, there are several options available as far as treatment options. And this is one that worked for him. And so he's trying to tell the people that there's good
0: news. It is a tremendous story and I'm so glad you could share it. And I think there are so many people that just, it helps to have a real person sitting there telling their story versus a doctor Incredible, wonderful doctors, but so a doctor saying, "Don't worry, it works." But a real person saying, "I went through this." So, to roughly in the time period you were ill for, if I was doing it, like ten days before you got to Dr. Bartlett, is that correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. I was in bed, hoping and praying uh, that I would get better, and that that didn't happen. And you know, unfortunately, you know, the passing of. Uh, of, of, of a friend of mine uh, was my nine one one i guess to get out of bed you know j b you just can 't lay here you 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 have to do something you have to figure something out you know what what's my wife going to do what's my daughter going to do she 's barely twelve you know i 'm self- employed i own you know a small little roofing company uh what 's my wife going to do who's she going to depend on nobody i'm i'm it I'm, 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 the captain of, of, of the Bejarano family ship. I'm, I'm the owner of Texas roof systems and nobody else is going to be able to see this through except me, JB, you got to get up and do something for, for, for yourself. You got to get up and fight and, and, and be better. There's somebody out there that can help you. Uh, and, and it's this great man that, that helped me through it. I, I can't, I can't be so thankful, uh, uh, of. And, and show my gratitude, express my gratitude of how I am of Dr. Bartlett. When he asked me, he goes, "Hey, would you be willing to come to Dallas uh, and do an interview?" I'm like, "Yes, absolutely, hell yes! I'll drive over there and come and do the interview." No answer for buts. I canceled my whole day to come out here and 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 uh, try to help people out and mm-hmm. and and spread the you know help with uh, some of the treatment that's out there. Some of uh, there's a lot of. Doctors maybe, I don't know what it is. I don't know why these people just can't give people a chance to, to take some Budesonite, I guess. I mean, if I'm, not, if I'm right or wrong, don't they give it to, to, to babies?
2: They give it down to two pound premature babies in the ICU and they use it on elderly, fragile people in nursing homes. It's been out for over 20 years. It's been proven to be very safe. It's generic, it's, no one's gonna make any money off of it. Big Pharma's not gonna make any money off of it. Um, there's not a lot of downside to it.
0: That was another point I meant to hit in yesterday's interview was that some, that for people advocating for the use of any of these steroids, including budesonide with a nebulizer to help with COVID, you're not financially invested in this outcome. No. I mean, they're, and and they're, they're lo- the patents are long past. They are relatively inexpensive and yet they're working. But one of the things you said, I wanna go back JB and said, this is not that common, at least in my experience, that you were able to track down Dr. Bartlett, call him or maybe did, send your video to him but he was checking back up with you. How are you doing? I mean, that, I, I, you know, I think of that in the hospital. That happens. You know, the doctor makes his rounds. Hey, hi. Hey. But this kind of you know caring, reaching back out to you who were not. I mean, you just met him through this experience. That's that's not that common for doctors to do.
1: It isn't very common, and uh, you know, thankfully, you know, in the of Odessa area. I have a lot of friends. I know a lot of business people. Uh, when I made my Facebook plea, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, does anybody know Dr. Richard Bartlett, uh, my great friend Shannon Gaylor, um, he said, yeah, I know, him. you know, gentlemen call me back. Dr. Bartlett, call me back in, in two minutes. Who does that? You know, yeah. it's, it, I don't know if it's a West Texas thing, a, a good old boy thing or, or, or what it is or the duality. Or a, good man. Yeah, <laughs> a good doctor thing. Yeah, absolutely. A good doctor thing. Never I mean the doctor Barlett called me. What do you need? There it was. I had it in my possession within a couple of hours. The man's checking up on me at twelve thirty at night. Uh, he's calling me, making sure how my breathing, how my oxygen double is. I mean the man was relentless nonstop checking out, you know, checking up on my well being.
0: And you can check your oxygen level with something you had at home
1: that yes. you purchased, okay. my, my son he went out and bought a little oxygen, little meter.
0: Okay, uh, you know, there were such things,
2: okay. It's called a pulse oximeter and it checks your oxygen saturation. And 96 to 98 is normal for an adult that has no health problems. And so he's a healthy athletic guy. It should have been 96 to 98. When it gets to below 90, as an ER doctor in the emergency room, I was just in the ER this weekend, if someone's under ninety and they have no pre-existing condition, we refer them
1: to be admitted to the hospital.
0: It's an alarming signal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you were eighty-six to thirty. Yes, she, ma'am. Yeah, eighty-six
1: yeah. to ninety-two was kind of what I was fluctuating in.
0: Okay. So, Dr. Bartlett, this is a great story. I'm glad a personal story. I, I love hearing all of it. So, you've had other experiences like this where it's not just your existing practice and people coming in or your emergency room, but people referring you. Has this happened a bunch of times, people just calling you because you've gotten this story going? I'm assuming it, it has.
2: My phone is ringing off, off the hook, uh, but I started my practice in a small town as the only doctor in the community. And so whatever came in, uh, I was it. If it was a heart attack, I was it. If it was a car wreck, I was it. I, I had to take care of several people that were hit on the side of the road on the side of the road before anyone could get there. And so um, this is why I got into medicine. There are a lot of doctors that got into medicine to help people. And uh, you know, there's good, uh, there's good people. I got relatives that gave their lives in Korea mm-hmm. and other countries to help them, other Americans that they don't even know. But yeah. I have the privilege of helping people that I get to meet and, and to care about them. And uh, there's a lot of doctors that still care about their patients.
0: I was gonna say that on this um, ongoing national political conversation surrounding COVID-19 and coronavirus and treatments and vaccines, it does seem like the stories like yours and Congressman Abraham, who was here yesterday, real people treating real patients, that's what the practice of medicine is supposed to be all about is just you deal with someone, whatever the, their challenge is, their health issue is, and, and you use, uh, you know not necessarily what everyone in the medical world is telling you but you use your education your knowledge your assessment of the person you're looking at and provide a treatment and that kind of you know it is the reason i love to think still most doctors go into practicing medicine it's not to become wealthy and famous it's because you you love your fellow man and you want to find ways to help them
2: and you know there's many doctors that are more than more important than me and they'll tell you they're more important to me but the patients are what's important And, um, you know, there's like a consciousness of humanity happening right now, partly through your show, that if I get COVID, I don't necessarily have to be on a ventilator. Uh, If to survive this pandemic, you know what? I may not need a vaccine. You know, um, maybe I don't have to suffer needlessly for weeks, uh, hoping that I'm not gonna die. Uh, Maybe, are you telling me that possibly for $3, I could get relief from my shortness of breath and chest pain in the comfort of my home, watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. And that's, three dollars is the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And so that's the cost of one of the treatments, the breathing treatments, they're they're generic, they're cheap.
0: And everything you're talking about, it must be prescribed. You can't buy this over the counter. Yes, that's right. So
2: Budesonide is is a prescription medicine. And so if you have COVID, ask your doctor if inhaled budesonide with a nebulizer machine is right for you
0: i can't imagine why they would say no unless you have some other health conditions that change that but i, I can't thank you know, for coming and i really hope this helps people you know i think it's people like in our culture especially like to turn to experts like to believe they're experts and if the experts are whoever you think the experts are and they are they greeted this unfortunate uh, infliction on america of the coronavirus uh with fear everyone felt fear they greeted with fear and then they wanted answers and the first answers coming out were kind of a you know huddle in place and stay home and then ultimately very quickly many of the pharmaceutical companies came up with the idea we can find a vaccine for this and you can't blame americans for getting on board with oh good okay this is how we'll solve it but here we are mid-July, We've, this has been around since whatever we're counting, at least January. Now it appears actually during 2019 it was even here, but we have these other solutions and I think there's just, uh, it, it's an astonishing observation how you have to kind of chip away a little bit at the assumption people have that the experts know the answer and until I hear it from, you know, some, whoever it's going to be, I, I'm always blaming Dr. Fauci because I've not liked his attitude very much. But. Fauci or whoever it is, they start America down a path and it's astonishing how hard it seems to be to kind of root people off that path. But when you hear stories like this and you hear, you look right in your face, a, an innocent guy who's, you know, went through a terrible struggle and found relief through Dr. Bartlett's procedure, I hope that works to just, just chip away at the expectation, only the experts can help me.
2: Don't so, be, yeah, you know, be afraid, be very afraid be suspicious of your neighbor, um, stay away from everyone, including your loved ones. If you get put in the hospital, you can't be around your loved ones. And it's all um, over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the separation, uh, all these things uh, have been the strategy in the beginning, but thank God we have a solution now and we don't have to hold our breath and be in fear. And I'm not afraid of COVID anymore and neither should you be, neither should your viewers.
0: Dr. Bartlett, that's so well said. Thank you so much. Anything else before you want to add? You Thank you for sharing your story. Anything you want to add, you're more than welcome.
1: Um, I just want to say, um, don't take your life for granted. You know, Cherish every moment. Get a little bit closer to your kids, uh, your wife. Um, worry about what's inside your four walls necessarily, which is your, your family uh try to do a good day today and you know that's pretty much it you know and I know uh, that be a good an steward to God yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah I know that there's an answer for COVID-19 this is literally that isn't just an suffering. answer to prayer just, yeah. yes yes this yeah. is a,
2: this is an answer to prayer and um I would I would like to dedicate this show to the Rodriguez family that lost their loved one uh,
0: our friend absolutely yep where that was you. This was the one whose brother was also potentially going to commit. Well, there's another person that uh, both these gentlemen know who uh, young man a young man, I think 31 years old, lost his life. But one of his brothers has put a video. In fact, it's up on our Facebook page at America Can We Talk? Uh, his video where he tells his story of losing his brother and then realizing he has similar symptoms and. Deciding he was going to try to reach out and did successfully reach out to Dr. Richard Bartlett. Now he's all better too. Uh, and so they're, they're great stories. These are human stories, and they, they may be as many people will say, well, they're just anecdotal, but the fact is they're real life. They're real life doctors doing real patients. So thank you again for coming in so very much. Thank you for having me. Anything else you want to add, Dr. Bartlett? It's great no, to I'm, have you two days I'm in a row. I'm not
2: afraid of uh, COVID anymore, and no one else needs to be either.
0: Well, I, I don't wanna be afraid of it either. I'm gonna add, I don't know where we are in time. Oh, I can see where we are in time. I wanna add one last quick story and I'm, I'm just gonna tease it and I will get to the rest of it next week. But there was a brilliant letter written by a woman who works for the, worked past tense, the New York Times, Barry Weiss. She was hired uh, to write, is uh, a writer editor for the New York Times. And she was hired to uh, at, in 2016 because The paper was shocked to discover that they actually didn't have very good coverage of the 2016 election cycle, shocked to discover that actually President Trump, candidate Trump, was as, as popular as he was, and literally his victory in 2016 shocked the daylights out of most of the world, including the staff of the New York Times. So they decided to reach out and hire someone uh, this woman named barry weiss and she was hired to kind of bring in the other side of the story to bring in people who don't walk lockstep with the anti-american left that runs the new york times she submitted barry weiss submitted her letter of resignation and in the letter she talks about i was hired with the goal of bringing in voices that would not otherwise appear in your pages. The reason for this effort was clear. The paper's failure to anticipate the outcome of the 2016 election meant that it didn't have a firm grasp of the country it covers. Dean Backett and others have admitted as much on various occasions. So she's tried to bring in a more centrist view, a more moderate view, um, and she basically wrote a resignation letter saying she had to leave not because you know, they weren't paying her on time, but because she was harassed, maligned, mocked, and ridiculed by the other alleged professionals at the New York Times, people who did not like the idea that she was sharing anything out of the lockstep, anti-American leftist view that dominates the New York Times. She talked, she told stories about, and she, a lengthy paper wrote out why she had to resign. She didn't want to be there anymore. You can read both her paper and a great article about it, our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org and I urge you to read it on the homepage under shows. Drop down list of links, you can read this. I'll tell you one this thing that's so um, interesting about this lady. You think, well, she was probably a hard-right conservative and drove them all nuts. Truth is, as she describes herself, she's a bisexual Jewish centrist. She's not even conservative. She just was not lockstep radical left at the New York Times. And the thing that's really great about this story, but I wanted to share it and wrap up our show this week with this story is this. She is a product of life in the New York Times for three and a half plus years. And what she's saying about them is coming from the inside. Heaven knows I criticize the New York Times on this show at least once a week, maybe more often, and the Washington Post and most of the lamestream left wing media in this country are frequently called the Democrat media mob. You might think that I'm too harsh in how I criticize the media, but this is a woman who actually wanted to work at the New York Times, wanted to write columns, tried working there, and discovered no one was tolerant of anything she brought to say, anything she had to say, any news story she wanted to bring, because the New York Times is lockstep radical my new term for it they are simply marxists they have become the marxist voice for america as the democrat party has become and so this woman getting this story out the great thing about it is all these people who read the new york times who think and i have i have good friends friends i've known since childhood who are well educated you know numerous masters degree very democrat leftist who say they feel fully informed on the news because they read the New York Times and they consider it to be the pinnacle of journalism. And I will of course argue and say, you cannot possibly believe the New York Times is to be believed at face value, try reading other things but the beauty of this thing that Barry Weiss wrote is that it ended up for all those readers of the New York Times who think that page, that paper, is somehow, you know, the be-all and end-all, the source of truth in all of life. Barry Weiss has set them straight, set America straight. Read her letter; it'll make you smile if you're tired of the New York Times leftism. And I would like to hope, I like to hold out a fond and faint hope, that maybe more Americans will say, you know what? Beside me, the New York Times maybe you ought to branch out and read, I don't know, Washington Examiner, Washington Times, other papers that they might previously have dismissed as just too far right. But the simple fact is you never can get your facts straight if you rely on just one source, especially if you rely on the New York Times. Well, as I'd like to do at the close of every show, I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And we didn't get to all our stories that this is life. So on uh, no COVID cure allowed, the COVID-19 lethality rates continue to drop well below recent flu seasons, successful COVID-19 treatments continue to proliferate, new COVID-19 case data in Florida riddled with fraud and overstatement. I mentioned on the show yesterday, but they had in some testing places in New York, testing for COVID, they returned 100% as the answer. Everyone had COVID. Obviously, people a little bit puffing up their story. Efficacy of masks versus downside of masks widely debated, no scientific uh, consensus, but massive political pressure to conform to mandatory mask wearing, yet mainstream media continually hypes cases and finds medical voices to endorse lockdowns. Mainstream media and institutional public health authorities relentlessly disparage all treatments other than a yet-to-be-developed vaccine state governments persist with invasive track and trace programs as if covid 19 is super lethal there's a mindset ruling class deep state that will not allow covid 19 to be cured unless there is a mandatory vaccination for all americans is this really science or is it a political agenda and the new york times resignation that resounds Barry weiss may become an unexpected american hero Weiss's very public resignation as an editor of the New York Times is documented by a letter that is extremely articulate, even eloquent, in specifying and denouncing the collapse of editorial objectivity and integrity at the New York Times. The key fact? Weiss's letter is likely to be read by New York Times readers, many of whom blindly and resolutely deny the presence of anti-Trump left-wing bias at the New York Times. Weiss has made elitist denial of the New York Times bias impossible. And that is a positive step for America. And that, my very fine friends, is our show for today. Thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. If you're on social media, you know what to do. Please like, share, subscribe. Pass this show around, so the way the show grows is if you, the listeners, help out by sharing, liking, following me on Twitter, all the ways you can do. I so appreciate that. You could also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at AmericaCanWeTalk.org on the homepage, hit subscribe. I have a once a week newsletter, comes out on Fridays. It contains links to every segment of the show the whole previous week. It's a great way to catch up on the show on the weekend. If you couldn't listen during the week, it's a great way to share the show. Love to have you do that, to subscribe to our show. Thank you for all of you, for all of your support. I appreciate it so very much. And again, if you're looking for Dr. Bartlett's paper about his very successful treatment of COVID-19. You can find that on our website, americachemitalk.org, under the blog. There it is. You can click on it. You can print it out. It's a paper that he's written that describes the treatment protocol and a letter he's written to State Senator Bob Hall, friend of this show, been on many times, which describes it a little bit more layman's terms for those of us who are not medically trained. And finally, and again, thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
1: America, can we talk truth about America?